And finally, I would like to, I'd like to remember what it is I was going to say. And the home of the To the belated episode 52 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And we are so very sorry for having to miss a week of Hit the Deck, but we are very, very happy to be back with you this week. And I am personally very happy that uh, James seems to be on the mend. How are you, James? I'm doing a lot better, thank you. Yeah, sincere apologies for uh, torpedoing last week's episode or not having an episode uh, of uh, Hit the Deck for the week, but it's just good to, to speak again. I got my voice back, so I'm grateful for that. I am also grateful for that, and honestly, it's probably for the best. We were going to do this whole April Fool's thing where uh, we changed up the show a little bit just to you know, be silly, but uh, that probably makes us hacks because everybody does that kind of stuff, and you know... Well, you don't listen to us because we're like everybody else. You listen to us because um, you listen to us because you must have a reason. I don't know. I'll I'll leave that up to you. But uh, anyway, yes, as I said, it is very good to be back. So two weeks gone since the last time we did one of these, James. What's been going on? Yeah, quite a few things, actually. But I guess the podcast gods wanted to make sure that... Uh, I wasn't going to run the podcast into the ground, so it was all for the best. So anyway, uh, how you how you been actually over the last couple of weeks? Been okay, been a little busy with this and that, but uh, you know, I I can't complain too much, or I, I will opt not to complain too much. You know, all good stuff in the end. I've been uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing pretty well. Things Excellent. all sunny and bright for you. That's a what am I even sunny and bright like it's a. Oh, goodness. No, well, spring has sprung since then, so yeah. Has everything <laughs> been well in James' world? Well, not well, literally, because I know that you've been ill, but well in the sense of things are going not poorly, not in terms of your physical well-being, which obviously is not. Anyway, um, how's by you? Well, length is winding down, so that's good. Uh, Cheers. So, yeah, I'm... I'm Right. I'm going to follow your lead and not try and bring the podcast down. So I'll just say I'm alive and I'm grateful for it. So let's just leave it at that. Fair enough. <laughs> I am also grateful for that, for the record. And and I'm very grateful for you as well. So awesome. <laughs> Indeed. I know one thing that happened since we were last on. We we did call another deck hockey game, play by play. Uh with the uh, Luna Chicks and MASH, and it was a barn burner between those two first-place teams. And in the end, well, in case you haven't watched it, it is on our YouTube channel. I'm not going to tell you who won out in the end, but as I said, it was a very well-played game. And uh, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, it's up on there. I think you would enjoy the watch. Agreed, definitely. 
Good, good game there. And uh, yeah, the, the last couple of games that we have done, and thanks to Anthony Novello for inviting us out to begin with, and uh, Jennifer for uh, inviting us out for the MASH game, and Luna Chicks as well. And we appreciate that very much, and excellent games, and we hope to do more in the future, and look forward to that. Yeah, buddy. All right. Enough, enough. Why don't we get started with the show? And to do so, I should probably, we should probably tell you who is in the starting lineup for this evening. So, in tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And, of course, on my, I was going to say wing, but I'm a goalie, so I don't have a winger. So, that doesn't even make sense. And you're not playing wing, so I'm just being very confusing right now. But, uh... Right here, uh, by my side, metaphorically, not physically, but uh, wow, I'm really stretching this thing out. Uh, also doing the podcast with me. Um, uh, oh, yeah, on defense, number four, I'm, I'm James Sejazy. Oh, it's going to be one of those shows. Okay, well, we I'm, are out of practice. I'm dragging you down with me, and I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try and pick things up from no, now No, 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 not at all, not at all. I, uh, hey, hey, hey. All right, let's try and get this thing back on track. So anyway, James, in an effort to pick this thing back up, would you do me the honor of telling me and the dear listener what is on deck for this particular podcast? Would be happy to, sir. Excellent, thank you. Detroit's off year. Mr. Hockey passes away in June 2016. Mr. I passed away on February 10th, 2017. Joe Louis Arena closes this year, and the Red Wings did not make the cup playoffs for the first time in 25 seasons. In light of not kicking a city while it's down, the American Rhino and I will salute Hockey Town. Christmas in March. CCM donates $30,000 worth of deck, roller, and ice hockey equipment to inner-city Brooklyn kids to really promote the great game with youngsters. And rebound shot. She shoots, she scores! It sure wasn't pretty, but USA Hockey granted the U.S. women's hockey team what they were looking for. As for the IIHF Women's World Championship competition, those teams may not be so happy to have the USA women's team to compete with. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You are welcome, sir. Oh, boy. Okay, so... uh Hockey Town. Yeah. Uh, it, unfortunately, when it rains, it pours, it seems. But Detroit is a labeled Hockey Town, and deservedly so for many, many reasons. But they've just had a pretty, pretty rough streak over the last year and a half. And unfortunately, I can relate to that. But uh, it all first started when Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe, passed away in June of, uh, of last year. And then fast forwarding to February of this year, Mr. Illich, Mr. Mike Illich, who, if people aren't familiar with, is a, well, he was the owner of both the Tigers and the Red Wings, a lifelong Detroit native. He born and raised in Detroit, lived there. And more importantly, he loved the city. He loved his teams and did a whole lot to promote the city and the franchises and turn them around, particularly the Red Wings where uh, they just had an amazing, amazing run since he took over. And uh, so now he passes away, one of the most famous and beloved uh, hockey players of all time, number nine, went to heaven as well. And then on top of all of that, 
They were due to close the Joe Louis Arena this year. I know that the Red Wings are closing it out. I believe the last game of the NHL regular season is the 9th of April. So I don't know if the Pistons share Joe Louis with their wings. So I, I didn't see anywhere that that is the official last event at the, at the Joe. But either way, the Red Wings are going to say goodbye on that day. Uh, they're playing the Devils, as a matter of fact. And then they did not make the playoffs. So for the first time in 25 seasons and not counting the lockout years and so on. So we're just saying seasons and not years. Detroit Red Wings are not competing for the Stanley Cup for the Stanley Cup. So pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Like like we said, when it rains, it pours. But um, again, you know, hats off and sticks tapping to uh, the great city of Detroit for Really amazing accomplishment. The Red Wings it, it goes down as the third longest streak in NHL history for consecutively making the playoffs. And yeah, they were bounced out of the first round a few times. But during that stretch, they won three Stanley Cups. Uh, that 2002 team was a who's who of hockey legendary players. So um, kudos to them for pulling that off. But uh, they made the finals five times over that stretch as well. So winning three cups out of the five appearances, at least by my math, I'm, I'm hopefully I got all that right. And I apologize if not, I being from New York. So just being from the outside looking in, but just trying to, again, tip the, uh, tip the hat and, uh, tap the sticks to the great city of Detroit and all that they've done for the wonderful, beautiful sport of NHL hockey. Seems like there will be many sad octopi in the, uh, city of Detroit. Not that those creatures are terribly happy being thrown on the ice, I would imagine, anyway. But, um, yeah, that is, that is uh, it's a tough year. It, it is kind of, it's interesting, you know, that as you, you've alluded to, that they, the year that they lose Gordie Howe is the year that they lose uh, their playoff streak and, you know, that just happened to be closing the Joe the same year. It's like, uh, I'm, you know, I don't really follow the Detroit hockey scene, but I have to imagine if you're a Detroit fan, it, it, it's got to be like, it, it has to feel like, you know, the soul of your team is being sucked out. And it's just, I think it's bad timing. Not that they can control the Gordie Howe thing, obviously, but it just all at once, it, it, it has to, it has to be a, a, a bad time right now for that franchise. Yeah, exactly. Excellent point because they don't even have a chance to recover. It's it's one sad story. It's one disaster after another. And uh, that, that's a lot of goodbyes going like, you know, again, Gary and I are lifelong Mets fans and uh, broke our hearts to see Shea Stadium go because of our many, many great memories at that beautiful ballpark for, for us and our parents and relatives and things like that. And obviously fellow Mets fans. So to lose Shea, I'm still trying to get over that. But uh, just to put it in perspective for something to relate to a great hockey town and, and sports town as Detroit. Uh, and then the one and only Bob Murphy passed away in 2003 or thereabouts, if I remember correctly. Or and, you know, one of my, well, to me, the greatest broadcaster of all time. So at least there was some years in between. Like, you know, Shea Stadium, its last season was 2008. Bob Murphy passed away a few years before that. So uh, you kind of had a recovery period and you could cry on each other's shoulders and salute the great memories of, of the, that you have with the great men and 
an arena and gosh, you know, like they say, if those walls could talk type thing. And Joe Lewis is such a unique place. And to see it go, it's really a huge part of hockey history. But you're right, man. That's just way overwhelming to to get hit from all angles. And then from the man who basically saved the city of Detroit single-handedly from as far as I know, Mr. Illich, uh, he's, if again, if you don't know, he built an empire out of the Little Caesars Pizzeria. That's He started that franchise. I didn't know. Yeah, I learned that from his obituary, obituary myself, keeping this as a family-friendly show. Didn't mean to stumble on that. Apologies. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, it's a lot to handle, but hopefully they'll uh, maybe the Tigers will rally around them and the, the economy's coming back and the the uh, car makers are making a big comeback like Cadillac and Chevy and stuff. So good old American, hopefully they'll get that uh, pride back and um, make some good quality cars and automobiles and whatnot. Like, you know, Chrysler made a big comeback and stuff like that, Jeep and all that. So, um, yeah, just sympathies, really. Sympathies to the uh, great city of Detroit. Yeah, if any city needs, you know, needs a pick-me-up and, and needs a boost, it, it really is Detroit. But I will say, silver linings, we have to find them where we can. The fact that the Red Wings are missing the playoffs this year, at least the fans kind of have a concrete date that they can point to and say, this is the day our arena is closing and they can, you know, say goodbye and have that sense of closure. I remember when we lost Shea Stadium. I mean, not to not to be like, oh, my fan base is hurting more than your fan base, because that's silly. But just I, and, you know, you well know, James, you'll remember in 2008 when Shea was scheduled to close, the Mets were still in playoff contention right down to that last day. So we were hoping that the Mets would continue on into the playoffs. And then they wound up losing a heartbreaking final game of the season. And it just inexplicably wound up being also the last game ever played at Shea Stadium. And and just, you know, it was a, a one-two punch that really kind of socked you in the gut and, and made you feel a little queasy. At least for me, it did. I, uh, <laughs> that, that was not a good day. I, I honestly, I couldn't even watch the closing ceremonies. I was so upset. But, um... So, yeah, at least the Detroit faithful will be able to say their goodbyes properly to Joe Louis Arena, which, you know, if you can't have it anymore, at least you want to be able to say a proper goodbye. Exactly. Yeah, very well put. That's uh, maybe people that aren't sports fans might, might think we're being a little bit too dramatic here. But to be honest with you, if you're an outsider looking in, Sports, it's such a bonding thing, and it doesn't matter what nationality you are, man, woman, child, whatever. Like, you've heard many movies talk about this, like um, the movie City Slickers, where they said that uh, the only time that a character could speak or relate to his father was only because of baseball. They, they would talk baseball, and that was it. They, every other thing, they couldn't see eye to eye. Uh, Feel the Dreams is kind of similar story there, too, where uh, the main character didn't want to have a catch with his father, which, I mean, gosh, that's probably every man's nightmare, American man's nightmare. But um, anyway, it's it's such a bonding, wonderful, great thing. And, and there are families involved. Like for me, you know, my mom's a huge Mets fan, too. So we uh, when my father went on road trips for business, you know, he asked us to keep an eye on the Mets for him. So that's my mom and I. Uh, 
we're, we're kind of a similar fans like that. We're really, we wear our hearts on our sleeves and we cheer and scream. And no matter what, if the team is horrible, we'll still, like Gary said, find the, uh, the silver lining and, you know, they're going to be good or maybe the reason why they weren't good because of the key injuries, this, that. So it's, it's like, yeah. And, and, and it, it's sad. It's, it's, it really is a part of your life. Yeah. We're just fans. We have nothing to do with the outcomes of the games or anything like that, but we root and there have been scientific studies gone on that uh, fans do indeed when the teams win, they have a huge, uh, not really accomplishment, but they feel such joy that they, and, and happiness from maybe living vicariously is a little bit hard or uh, not the proper thing to say, but when the team wins, the fans are happy and the smiles on our faces and the joy in our hearts, it's just, it's undeniable. So that's why we're just kind of saying for the great city of Detroit, uh, we're not rubbing salt in the wounds or anything like that. And it's really just way too much to deal with in one whole year, especially the legendary player of, of his era in Howe. And then uh, Mr. Illich, who's just had his fingerprints on the great city of Detroit for many, many years. And then Joe Louis Arena. And then on top of everything else, the Red Wings didn't make the playoffs. So we, we feel your pain. We relate. And like the great mantra of sports is we'll get them next year. So hang in there, Detroit, and well done. And uh, hopefully you can kind of just regroup and uh, be all right. Maybe the Tigers will uh, pick up the slack or e- even the uh, the Lions in football. I don't know, but we'll see. Well said, James. Thank you. Sure. So speaking of something that's happy and yeah. cool. Yeah, moving on to, uh, you know, speaking of, of, of cheering up and things getting better. Uh, yeah, Christmas in March, the uh, great historical hockey maker, CCM, donated $30,000 worth of deck, roller, and ice hockey equipment to uh, inner city kids in Brooklyn. They were in conjunction with the New York Islanders Sticks and Skates program, which they've been doing over the last few years since they've been in Brooklyn and even uh, when they were back out on Long Island. And right, Pat LaFontaine uh, coupled with them as well to uh, hook up about 100 Brooklyn children and teens with free, brand new, top quality CCM gear. So the the cool thing about that is trying to promote the game and the NHL has done a pretty good job, I think, uh, for all their teams that have been involved, like the Rangers too, that uh, do skate clinics and, and teaching the game to people that maybe not be interested in it or maybe don't get exposure to it and uh, we, we want to keep that lifeblood going we want to get that next generation in there so this is just a wonderful thing but i just kind of wish uh, gary that they had this when we were younger could have saved our parents a whole lot of money <laughs> yeah and well uh, maybe not my parents because i didn't actually get any hockey equipment when i was young but uh no yeah th- this is a great like you said, a great way to introduce the game to kids who maybe aren't familiar with it. And, you know, if they are familiar and they just can't afford to play, this is a really altruistic thing to do. And honestly, it's from a cynical standpoint, it's probably a good way to build brand loyalty, you know, because if all you know from hockey is CCM equipment, then if you grow up and you decide you want to play hockey, what company are you going to go with? The only company that you've ever known, right? Yeah, a great point. It's it's funny you should say that too because I always would go to CCM first, and uh, we've said this in the past too. I liked Cooper brand gear because mm-hmm. Mike Richter used Cooper stuff, 
but then over the years, brands have come and gone or were just bought out by bigger brands and things like that. But yeah, like I love Titan hockey sticks. So I was so excited when they came back. So you're right. That, that's a great idea. So maybe $30,000 doesn't sound like much to you and me in, in a advertising point of view. But excellent point there. Not only are you creating new hockey fans, but uh, yeah, you're, you're creating loyal uh, customers who will go for a CCM stick or a helmet or skates and things like that for the future. Hey, my goalie pads are CCM. Right. And, uh, you know, that's <laughs> not that I, I went with them because, you know, I have deep loyalty to them. But, you know, it, clearly it's something they make. They make good gear. So, you know, it's not like some cheapo thing that like, oh, I got this for free. So I guess this is what I'm using. No, it's it's quality stuff. So, you know, good for them. And I have to say, when I first saw the article about this, and it said that they donated it to the Madison Square Boys and Girls Club, I, I th- first I thought it was like the Garden of Dreams Foundation or something, because the Rangers play at Madison Square Garden, and the Garden of Dreams is their charity. But uh, no, it's just coincidentally the Madison Square Boys and Girls Club, which I guess is a Boys and Girls Club in Brooklyn where the, uh, as James has mentioned, is the Islanders' home turf for now. And uh, so, you know, good good on them, really, all around. That's um, It's a really nice gesture, and especially, I mean, New York isn't, we have plenty of rabid hockey fans, but it's not like, you know, a hotbed of hockey like Minnesota or something like that. Or, uh, you know, it's not just like we were talking about before. It's not hockey town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's not kids. I would say, you know, kids are a lot more likely to play baseball or, you know, stickball or, or, or football or basketball, especially basketball in the city, than they are to play hockey. And part of that is the fact that they don't have access to facilities to play and equipment. And if you can, you know, overcome one of those hurdles by giving kids this equipment and the opportunity to play with it, then, you know, it, it really is, it's a great way to grow the sport. All excellent points. As a matter of fact, right, yeah, CCM is one of the oldest and, and best companies out there, and they support the superstars too. So guys like uh, John Tavares and um, Ovechkin, just to name a couple. So th- their sticks are always high-quality sticks. Their skates are always high-quality. As, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think they CCM only made the helmets for a long time. And then Yofa and uh, Bauer and a couple of other companies in Easton have come in since. But it was always, to me, CCM was the first place to go to. And exactly, top-quality stuff. And they stand by it. It's obviously Canadian. That's what the one of the C's stands for. Canadian cycle and motor, I believe, is what CCM stands for. So I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So so great stuff there and good for them and excellent. Exactly right. You just get that seed when they're young and hopefully they'll fall in love with it and, and go from there. Another thing, too, about hockey equipment is um, if you're getting into it, it's kind of it's a lot easier now with the Internet. So you could go to YouTube or something and, and find out. But when uh, back in our day, what? Uh, yeah, we had to actually ask people and talk to one another and share experiences <laughs> instead of just going on the cell phone and finding out something. But anyway, like trying to fit a skate is not as easy as it sounds, believe it or not. It's uh, to liken it to buying a dress shoe as opposed to a sneaker. 
uh, hockey skates are pretty specific, and especially when you're balancing on such thin blades and going on ice, you need to be as comfortable and as balanced as possible. So you have to go to a store and, and try on a few pair of skates to make sure that they fit properly. So CCM just solved that problem for a lot of these young kids, and then they'll know that for the future. They'll know how deep to cut the blades to glide on the ice properly if they're goalies and whatever the case is, or if they're fast, if they're slow, how if they want to stop and cut, there's different ways of cutting the blades for the way you play. So a lot of things like that. Sticks, another thing. To get a proper stick, you uh, when you're standing on your sneakers, the stick should go to about the top of your forehead when you place it on the floor the, uh, the toe on the floor and the, the butt on, on, on top. And then when you're on skates, it's supposed to come to your chin. So those are just little basic things that when you're playing ice hockey or roller hockey and obviously deck as well, you have to kind of learn and, and, and know to have the best advantage as you can and learn properly. So exactly. One of the things that Gary and I are trying to do with this podcast is to grow the world of deck hockey. So the more the merrier. We love it. Uh, hockey's a wonderful sport, and uh, we've done a good job, I think, in this country to borrow it from the great, wonderful, generous people of Canada and in Europe, too. So the more the merrier. Yeah, and just so you're aware, if you haven't tried to do it and you are interested in doing so, you should obviously check yourself to make sure you get the best fit. But just rule of thumb, if you are sizing out a hockey skate, it should probably be between a full size and a size and a half down from what you would normally have as your sneaker because they uh, they tend to run that way. So you want a snug fit and you want something, they tend to run a little, I guess, big. So you want that uh, smaller size skate so your foot isn't swimming around and you have a good snug fit so you're able to move around on the ice. Yeah, and another thing too, as a matter of fact, uh, sometimes brands are a little bit different in fitting the uh, your foot as well. So I wouldn't recommend buying hockey skates out of the blue online without having an idea first. If you go to a rink or something like that, or if you could borrow a friend's skates, or even if there's a brick and mortar store, you could go and try some on. Definitely do so. But yeah, for example, like uh, I have a pair of Mission ice hockey skates. And uh, I'm not even sure if they're in existence anymore, but I looked into CCMs. They are. First. I think my goalie skates are mission. Oh, cool. Um, and rollerblades as well. And so Bauer usually, at least when I was buying ice hockey skates, they ran a little bit bigger. Gary, you have a pair of Bauer goalie skates, correct? Uh, y- yeah. I'm trying to remember. I have I have Bauer. I think I have Bauer skater skates. Uh, I don't remember which ones the goalie skates are. To I'm pretty be honest, sure. yeah, I think I'm pretty sure they're Bauer too. They may um, well be. I think I, I think actually the mission ones are my roller my roller goalie skates. Gotcha. Um, but I don't uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. So uh, so yeah. In summary, in in, in all honesty, when I was in the uh, market for buying ice hockey skates, it was either CCM or Bauer. And if you have a chance to check out the NHLers out there, they are wearing either CCM hockey skates or Bauer. Uh, I'm not even sure if there's a third option anymore. Um, I think Eagle might have been one. Uh, Mission was was one at a time. But I basically the two big boys and the best ones to go for are Bauer and CCM. So congrats. Great job for CCM, for Mr. LaFontaine and the New York Islanders. 
and the NHL. So good stuff. Definitely. Thank you, CCM. Thank you, James. Yeah, I, you know, if you want to give us stuff too, I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, hey, if you want to sponsor the Hit the Deck podcast, by all means, we'll uh, we'll shill for you every week. Yeah, like Gary said, he has the pads, and we have the pictures to prove it. And uh, I have knee pads and and elbow pads or CCM. So hey, <laughs> we walk the walk and talk talk. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> actually, I could use some pads because I don't know if they make my pads anymore, my model. So, uh, oh. so I, I, you know, yeah, th- this last time when I replaced them, I had some trouble tracking them down. So here's hoping that uh, these last for a while. Yeah. But um, anyway, moving on. Speaking of uh, punishing hockey players, <laughs> we weren't really. It's a, that's a really strange segue. But I digress. So. Hey, uh, remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about those scrappy U.S. women who were just fighting for an equal wage? Well, guess what? Game on! (laughs) The ladies, uh, they managed to get what they were fighting for. They managed to get a fair, decent wage. Now, just to catch you up in case you missed the show a few weeks ago, basically the situation was... The women who play for USA Hockey, the women's team, they are not paid on a regular basis. They are paid $6,000 in an Olympic year only. So they get paid $6,000 every four years to represent this country in hockey. And they found that to be not an agreeable situation. And who could blame them? Because obviously they have a lot of expenses like equipment, like we were just talking about, like uh, training and, you know, I imagine travel to get to their training and to and from games and what have you. And, you know, really, it's, it's, it was unreasonable. And um, they decided, no, we want to be paid like the men. We want to be paid regularly, we, you know, for, for doing this at, like it's a job, not like it's a hobby. Because we are representing our country on a world stage. It'd be nice to be treated that way. And, uh, you know, there were some bridges burned on both sides. There were a lot of hurt feelings. But in the end, they managed to get what they have coming to them. And uh, so now they have agreed to go back to work in competition on behalf of the good old USA in the current uh, world championship tournament and uh, james you want to catch us up on how they've done so far i'd be happy to yeah uh, you'd think that they would be content and happy with what they did but uh not really they um game one was against canada and the usa women shut them out two to nothing the second game that the team usa women played was against russia they shut them out seven nothing And then the third game that they played was against Finland. They actually gave up a few goals this time, but they won five to three. So they've just been unstoppable. So they're on a winning streak like uh, they've never been on before. Pay those ladies. (laughs) Yeah. Give them their money. They are earning it. And then some, my gosh. So I think uh, for for the, uh, the, the... Team USA females, good for them, but I don't think that the other countries were too happy <laughs> when they uh, went to bat for their uh, their female friends out there. But uh, boy, oh boy, they, they're they just running rampant out there right now. And speaking of the other females out there, 
you also have to give credit to the female hockey players that were approached to be replacement players and declined because for a while the USA Hockey was actively trying to find replacement players to play in the stead of the USA Hockey team because they didn't want to pay them their money and they wanted to hold that over them, I guess, as leverage. But to their credit, most, if not all, of the women that were approached about this said, no, I'm not going to you know, be a scab. I'm not going to jump in and play when these women are just fighting for an equal wage. So, you know, credit to them, too, for passing up that opportunity in favor of the bigger picture. Yeah, definitely. Good, good point there. Uh, American Rhino. And as long as it's they're not to, to borrow a phrase, as long as they're not robbing Peter to pay Paula, then great. You know, so <laughs> well done. So good. Good for uh, good for USA hockey. Good for the women. And hopefully that like, yeah, like you said, they could move on because it did get ugly there, especially with uh, Twitter's getting involved and other that nonsense and things when you are in the heat of battle and then you go out and do instant information like that with the technology that we have, it's kind of something maybe you should think twice about because there's a record of it now. And then you look back and you could say, well, this is what you said, this, that, and the other thing. And like Gary said that you got to start mending bridges and uh, moving forward. So I'm glad it's over with the other teams are not, but go USA. (laughs) Yeah, really? And as far as robbing Peter to pay Paula goes, I guess we're going to have to see how well Peter steps up to the plate when it's his turn. Which is really odd because earlier in this week, the NHL announced that during the next Winter Olympics, the NHLers aren't going to participate. I'm kind of curious how that all works out. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's... This, from from the articles that I've read, it seems like this is kind of retaliation for not agreeing to opt out of the collective bargaining agreement that they had made. They're, they're trying to, I think the NHL wants to negotiate new terms, or actually maybe I have it backwards. I think the players have an option to opt out and the NHL doesn't want them to. Because the players are unhappy with the way the uh, the current escrow situation is working out. They feel like they're not getting all the money that they have coming to them. And they, they want to renegotiate, but the NHL doesn't want them to. So I, I think the idea was, well, if you agree to not opt out of this contract and to extend it, rather, to... I think 2025 they wanted to extend it to or something like that. Well, then we'll let you play in the Olympics. But otherwise, you know, no good. So it, it, it seems like it was a bargaining tactic and this is just petty politics. And I, I guess the NHL is within its rights to say, listen, this is happening during our season and we're paying you to be here, not be there. But still, it seems like, it seems very short-sighted because the Olympics is a great stage to showcase the, the greatest players in the world, which generally play in the NHL. It's a great way to grow the sport. It's a great way to, you know, really put that focus, even for just a little while, for a couple of weeks, put that focus on hockey. And I think the NHL is just 
big surprise. They're just doing what's in their own short-sighted best interest without looking at the bigger picture and seeing how they could benefit. So uh, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. I know a lot of the players are very unhappy about the fact that they're not going to be able to play and represent their home countries. Alex Ovechkin has said he's playing in the Olympics whether the NHL lets him or not. So I think a year from now, things could get kind of interesting. Yeah, you know what, American Rhino, I'm curious. Uh, do you think that the overall success, I think of the World Cup of Hockey, do you think that might have something to do with it as well? And I'm kind of on the fence. I, I, I think it's great that the NHL has participated in the, the NHL players have participated in the Olympics over the years. But then again, the 1980, for example, team was just a bunch of college kids. So I'm not leaning either way. So, But would you assume that maybe the World Cup of Hockey might have something to do with that? Uh, honestly, I don't know... I don't know. I don't know what kind of benefit they get from the World Cup of Hockey in terms of, you know, monetary compensation or exposure. I know the World Cup of Hockey doesn't get nearly as much exposure as the Olympics, like not even close. If you're not looking for the World Cup of Hockey, you're probably not going to see it. Uh, whereas, obviously, the Olympics takes over every channel on NBC for like three weeks so it's hard to avoid. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I don't know that one has anything to do with the other. Okay. But uh, yeah, because it's kind of like they resolved one problem and then maybe didn't really resolve another in terms of international hockey. Although to your point about the amateurs playing versus the pros, there is a certain romanticism to the idea of having amateurs play uh, like in the 1980 Olympics that, that were so special to every American hockey fan. And at the time, lots of just Americans generally. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea that our amateurs can beat the best players from the, around the world. But by the same token, that's like... That's the NHL's that, that that's not that's not an Olympic call. That's the NHL's call. So it's you know it, it basically you're saying okay, you work here for us, so we're going to deprive every country of making that decision for themselves. So uh, I I think I think if it's a rule that's applied universally, even though the Soviet team was a joke, but if, if that's a rule that's applied universally, that's a debate that I can get behind having. But to just arbitrarily say, no, I'm taking my ball and going home, that just, I, 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 can't, I can't get behind that. That just seems wrong to me. And, uh, and, and that's my opinion on that. And James, before we wrap up, before we end, I just want to take a few minutes. This may annoy some of our fan base, but I don't care. For those of you who are wrestling fans, you probably know this already, but this past Sunday was WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling show of the year, by far, far and away. And in the closing moments of WrestleMania, the, a wrestler who you've heard us talk about many times on this podcast before, The Undertaker, uh, wrestled his 
what's seemingly his his last match and to uh, all appearances retired. And the man has been my favorite wrestler for 25 years or more. And uh, I just he's he's possibly the most respected wrestler in the business. And it, it was a really bittersweet moment. He certainly earned his retirement. The things he's done for the industry and for that company in particular, the WWE, or just really no one could dispute that he's earned the right to go out on his own terms whenever he sees fit. So I'm happy for him if he's finally going to be able to hang up the boots and uh, get the surgeries he needs to maybe not be in quite so much pain anymore and and just to be able to live a, a happy and relatively healthy life. I'm happy for him, but I said to my wife, it feels like part of my childhood died that night. And just, I, I, I don't want to speak for James. I have a feeling he feels much the same way as I do, but speaking only for myself, thank you, dead man, and um, Godspeed. Here, here, you speak for all of us Undertaker fans and wrestling fans too. So that was beautiful, American Rhino, and thank you for that. So just, James, if you'll indulge me, I would just like to take a moment of silence in remembrance of The Undertaker. Thank you. And on that note... Last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, Pops. All right, enough. We are done. We are finished. We have completed yet another Hit the Deck podcast. For your listening pleasure, or not, your mileage may vary, but nevertheless, we're done. We finished. It's over! <laughs> and that being the case, I would be happy, more than happy, to remind you that if you have not already done so, please feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hit the Deck Pod, on Instagram and Facebook at Hit the Deck, on our YouTube channel, which is Hit the Deck Podcast, on YouTube, where we have had quite a, a bit more, quite a bit more features on there lately. And I have no doubt we will be featuring more in the near future. So if you want to find out when those come up, as soon as they come up, please subscribe. We'd love to have you. Um, if you would care to reach out to us, open a conversation of some sort or ask us a question, call us on something, really anything, email us at hit the deck at gmail.com. Throw us a rating on iTunes. Uh, I mentioned this once before. I'm not going to ask you for a five-star rating. If you want to give us one, great. I'd love to have one. But rate us honestly. However you think we do, whatever you think we deserve, please feel free to rate us on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, if you do have iTunes, please also subscribe to us on iTunes. If you don't, consider checking us out on Stitcher or any number of other podcasting outlets. And finally, I would like to heartily, heartily thank Pops for being the voice of the LIQ, Anthony Sejazi for providing music to the podcast, the LIQ themselves for providing sound effects for use in this particular podcast. And uh, I would, of course, like to thank you, our listener, without whom we would not have a podcast. James, is there anything you would care to add? Thank you, sir. That's it. Thank you. All right. So finally, lastly, Ultimately, I would once more, as ever, encourage you, please remember, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Believe me, I've been yakety-yakety too much tonight, so <laughs> anything you could take out, by all means.